Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. And this week, we have another full slate of topics. Uh, today, we're going to be going over, well, reflecting on the Bears' dominant Texans win, and then getting into the potential of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace returning. Some people even hinting at a possible Ryan Pace one-year contract extension. Following that, we're going to be going into if whether or not the Chicago Bears should pursue Matthew Stafford, who seemingly is going to be ending his tenure in Detroit, and then getting to our Bears versus Vikings preview. With that, everyone, thank you so much for sticking with us. We're still continuing to increase our consistency. If you haven't checked out our sold YouTube platform videos, go ahead and check those out. Uh, we're trying to upload a little bit more on there, doing YouTube-specific videos and not just posting the podcast on there. So check those out. We did something about Zach Wilson, something about Sam Darnold should be coming up very shortly. With that, everyone, thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and with us is... Reese. Yeah, there we go. That was, that was almost spot on. Uh, and you're, you're with us in a special uh, early hours Bear Necessities podcast where we're coming to you guys right in the morning, you know, like a morning talk show. Uh, we like to pride ourselves on being a little better than those guys, but I mean, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Oh. I mean... Hopefully you're not making like asses of ourselves, like you know, Skip Bayless or Colin Cowherd. You know, either one of them. Yeah, yeah, no, but in all real, all all actuality, I I love I love to used to watch like radio shows in the morning. Uh, unfortunately, they're kind of going out, and it seems like they are in a perpetual downfall right now. Uh, and the thing that about radio that's like. It's just like such an inferior platform to podcasting because you have to like be in the car now because no one has home radios. You have to be like in the car at a certain time to watch. It's good for commuters, but like that's really your only audience. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It's uh, the landscape has definitely changed in recent years, um, you know, and I think most people that were serious on sports radio have made a podcast for themselves because it's just kind of the better way of going about it and making a name for yourself and a lot of these media companies not to trash on them but they will definitely like not give you what's it like what you're giving to them you know you're not going to get the same return back exactly exactly and just before we get in the show um i wanted to thank uh the uh, fan of the chicago bears who decided to Go on our last video and tell everybody that we are actually Packers fans and we are not uh, Bears fans because uh, we, we were critical of the Bears and, and, and even saying that don't get too excited about this loss uh, and explaining that we are actually we were actually happier under the Mark Trustman and John Fox eras. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're always going to get that kind of criticism and we really just want what's best for the team long term. And I think. You know, most of us, you know, sensical Bears watchers can tell that, you know, this team isn't really going anywhere fast right now. But hey, I mean, <laughs> some people are always just so they're such homers, you know, there's another way to put it. Yeah. And, and hey, we have some we have some positive topics this week. We're going to be going over, you know, could the Bears potentially run the table? I mean, that's what, what we got to be chanting from here on out. Uh, I mean, this is kind of like the Packers that year. I, I assume that we will win the Super Bowl from this point forward. Uh, <laughs> there you go. It, it seems pretty evident to me. Um, but let's get into the real nose on the real uh, the real topics. One, you know, one uh, little change of pace. Unfortunately, Mario Edwards Jr. charged with misdemeanor assault in an occurrence that happened before the Panthers game. The Bears organization is aware about it. Uh, they said they've been aware about it. Um, it seems like his agent and his lawyer are on the stance that he was actually the victim. Uh, so I guess, I mean, it's something that we're going to see how it plays out. The Bears evaluation is really going to determine whether or not he stays with the team. Um, I can assure you that if the Chicago Bears come back and they think that he has a strong, that he probably did it, he's going to be cut from the team. This is really the first, like, kind of legal issue the Bears have had probably since what, like Sam Hurd? I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't really. Uh, that's really interesting to think about. I really cannot think of the last time there's been a legal issue with the Bears. But like yeah. no one, no one on this current roster is really troubled no. at all. And the Bears have had a couple players in the past, but it's definitely been a long while. So it's definitely a little surprising to see it. Um, 
you know, yeah, like you said, the determination that the Bears make is what's ultimately going to, you know, decide his future with the team. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm definitely not here to say that he's guilty because all that I really know is the headline and, you know, just the small story of what happened. There's definitely not enough evidence out there. So it's definitely something that's basically out of all fans' hands and probably should be. And, you know, we won't really see the effects until the Bears have some kind of knowledge of, you know, what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I am happy that the Bears are one of these organizations that if they do believe something happens, uh, they are willing to take the steps necessary to not keep that player on the team. Um, at the same time, though, guys, let's I mean, we got to wait, wait this legal process out. I hope that justice yields the correct result, whatever that is. Uh, and just going forwards, Mario Edwards Jr. I mean, it's a it's unfortunate because he's had such a big year with the Chicago Bears. I don't know if he will. I mean, the NFL, even with allegations, have not been shy to any sort of suspensions during uh, stuff like this. So I I guess we're going to have to see where it goes. Yeah, and you're right. He really did kind of, you know, he's been coming on for the past couple weeks as far as his performance goes. He definitely made a big splash against the Texans. I think he got, what, two sacks? And Mm -hmm. he's definitely, he's been, I think, one of the better signings that Pace has made recently. So... Mm-hmm. It'd be a shame if it kind of ends on a bad note because it's something that, you know, in all the criticism they face that, you know, maybe Pace has actually done well. Yeah, and a tremendously talented young player. I mean, he is extremely athletic. I mean, yeah, he's been uh, – the Texans game was a huge game for him. He's been showing up pretty much every single game. So, you know, we're going to see how it goes with that. Um, let's go ahead and move on to last week's game. Talk a little bit more about the Texans. Obviously, we do our post-game shows on YouTube. Um, man, I, I guess I'll just start off with my initial thoughts. I thought Trubisky looked pretty good. Um, people are kind of overhyping his performance. I noticed, like I've seen a lot of, a lot of different podcasts saying that he was balling out. I definitely would not say that. I think that he was, I think the Texans game, Trubisky's performance is more a credit to Nagy and the coaching staff than it is Trubisky himself. I mean, they were putting him in a lot of favorable uh, de- definitely a lot of different favorable matchups and, and being able to t- take advantage of this team in a way he knew how to. Um, the one thing that I do have to say with Trubisky is I think that he really has grown in the way that he delivers the ball. I don't know if you noticed this, but he was doing a lot of these little sidearm passes uh, in the game last week. He was, he was really manipulating the ball around defenders, which is good. Um, but overall, like the general NFL throws, timing throws, it seemed like he still struggled with his accuracy and ball placement. Um, and there really weren't su- any super explosive plays, truthfully. And I don't know if that's just because he they don't believe that he can do them or if it was just the game plan this week. It's probably a combination of both. Um, as far as Allen Robinson goes, um, people are saying this is like a C Allen Robinson game. When you, like, look, look, we we need to sign him because he got all these yards. When really, a lot of his yards were just off of basic RPO throws. And if you were going to pay him a wide receiver nineteen million dollars, he better be doing a lot more than these little RPO throws and missed a catch in the end zone at the end of the game. Uh, that's his like third one in the past three weeks, if I remember correctly. Uh, we actually saw uh, Gibson on defense for a little bit, Travis Gibson, uh, and he looked better than Robert Quinn. Uh, so just another little note there. Yeah, I think, you know, really this past week was more about execution than anything. I think, you know, it was getting a good set of plays together and, you know, actually going out there and, and executing them. They definitely look more comfortable with the plays that they were calling this past, you know, past week. And I think that, you know, Trubisky was able to capitalize on, you know, some short throws, on some, you know, medium range throws, but definitely nothing too deep. He was definitely, you know, in his comfort zone. And yeah, and and whenever Trubisky gets into that mode, Allen Robinson's always going to be the beneficiary. I mean, he's definitely right where his eyes go to. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that Allen Robinson has impressed me that much you know this year in general you know I don't think it was just uh over the game it's like yeah he puts up the numbers but I'm really not you know I feel like there's even so much more there you know there's so much more that he could be doing there's so much more potential that he hasn't been filling and I'm definitely fine with seeing the Bears move on from him and 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 part of that adds into like what we do see in the Texans game where you know I think the fact that he does kind of get those numbers, it's just a little bit like padding in a way. And yeah, he did get a touchdown catch, so he was contributing. But, you know, 
not so much. And I think a lot of people have been kind of like staring at the numbers and, and not really realizing exactly how the Bears are playing. Because I think it's exactly the same with, with, you know, what's been happening with Trubisky. And it, I think it was NBC Sports Chicago was like, oh, you know, for a minimum of 20 starts, you know, Trubisky has the highest, you know, quarterback rating in all mm-hmm. of Chicago Bears history. And, you know, they're like, well, is it more indicative of the Bears quarterback history or Trubisky? And it's like, well, of course it's the Bears quarterback history. I mean, come yeah. on. I mean. Really, Definitely. all you need to do is have the eye test to show you if like Trubisky's actually playing at an elite level, and he's been a better fit for this team. He's been better than Nick Foles, but let's not like kid ourselves here. He's he's what we still think he is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've even seen some people, and this is insane to me. Some podcasts that I listen to, um, like talk about the potential of going into next season with him, and I just think. You could not make a worse decision. That would that would be the absolute worst decision you could make. Because, hey, even though we might not have all of the potential, like they were saying like, oh, the, the draft capital, the cap space, we can do it. Believe me, we can do it. We have plenty of draft capital. We have plenty of cap space, especially if we make some moves. There's plenty of options available. We'll get into another option later in the show. But... Trubisky, with Trubisky, I mean, he, since he stepped in, he's been a lot better than Nick Foles, and I think that's pretty clear. I think the offensive line has improved as well. I think making the switch to laser at play caller has been a benefit as well. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I still believe that Mr. Trubisky is he, he's going to be a quarterback where he might be able to be a bottom line starter or even a below average starter in the NFL one day. But I don't think that he will ever be that quarterback that gets teams to the Super Bowl, if I'm being completely honest. And while, you know, Nagy didn't do a whole bunch to help him, he certainly gave him more more than, you know, enough opportunities to show his competence that he just completely, you know, didn't even take. You know, he, he gave him opportunities that he would miss, deep balls that were wide open that he would miss particularly even just little throws that changed games for us. And while I do think Mitch has shown a lot of bright spots as well, it's just, it's thinking after one game that we should extend him like that is, is not right. But what I do have to say on the topic of Mitch is I do think that Mitch, if he was never benched this year, would have yielded us a lot more wins than, um, no, than Nick Foles. Yeah, I agree with that, too. I think that, you know, what happened this year happened. And, you know, I think in the first place, I realize and understand why Nagy benched him, you know, in that game against the Falcons. But I also think that the way that Trubisky has played has been just a slight improvement. It's really only been one game where it's really, Mm. like, clicked. You know, they've really only had... You know, this is the first time that we witnessed everything kind of go right, and it was good to see. But you know, Trubisky has had these games. You know, he has those kind of games where he comes out and plays better. I mean, my my head shoots to the Buccaneers game that he played what in 2018, where he just went off. He couldn't miss that day, and and against the Redskins mm-hmm. in 2019 on Monday Night Football, I think another game where he just kind of went off. But I'm curious to see in the following weeks. Can he match the performance? You know, if he can match it, then I'll, I'll be impressed. I still don't think they should keep him, but you know, it's definitely fun to evaluate him. You know, you know, more interesting than it is Nick Foles because you know what you're getting with Nick Foles, especially since he's been so bad. It, it was so constant, and at least with Trubisky, there's a little bit, there's that intrigue factor. There's a little bit extra added explosiveness, explosiveness that he has with his legs. So. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely makes for a better watch as far as the Bears playing as well. I think it just gives them more confidence, more energy, and just some of the intangibles that he has allows them to sustain some drives. If you had to take a guess, where do you think the Bears' offense ranks in scoring in the past three weeks since Mitch has returned? Where they rank? Yes. Uh, well, I said what they scored... 30 was it 34 this past week or what was it exactly they were in, I think they scored 37 37 37 so I'd definitely elevate them a good bit I feel like they're probably eighth they rank fourth right now fourth in, okay. since, since Trubisky came back they rank fourth in the NFL in offense and you know while 
it it kind of has a feel of almost like the whole Jimmy Garoppolo offense or like the Nick Mullen San Francisco where they're you could tell it's not the quarterback and you know it's not the quarterback same with like what Sean McVay is doing you can absolutely tell it is not the freaking quarterback but at the same time it's been been really effective so on that regard I feel like Nagy and this is, and we, we, we can start switching uh, topics real quick, but um, but actually, you know, before we get into it, I just want to say David Montgomery had a great game. I'm a big fan of his. He, he shoot, he's shown that even when he gets the slightest bit of space that he can be a really good running back. And then also Bars and Mustard, great games as well. Yeah, and just while we're throwing like quick little things out there to, before we kind of get on a tangent, definitely the O-line has been stepping up too. I think, you know, what we've seen from the interior is definitely promising. And I know we went over in the post-game recap that, you know, kind of just securing that tackle position on, on each side would definitely do this offensive line a big benefit heading mm-hmm. into next year. And whoever ends up being at quarterback is definitely going to reap the benefits of that if they go out and do that. Yeah, I think that interior line is actually fine, believe it or not, with the return of James Daniels. All all attention should be at the tackle position, as Reese was kind of stating. But yeah, going back to what I was saying is that when you think that, does knowing that the Bears have the fourth highest scoring offense, if they continue this throughout the next, you know, three games, and which would likely get them a playoff berth, do you believe that that gives a little bit more convincing of a reason to keep Matt Nagy because when you think about it his only neg or the bit here's a reason okay saying that he should be fired because he benched Trubisky in the first place is a little bit understanding but I feel like as we continue to see the offense play out towards the end of the year and we see the offensive line just improve slightly and see Mitch help out the offensive line as well with his, you know, being able to run, being able to stay mobile, kind of keep players true. I feel almost as if Nagy is giving a more convincing reason to be like, hey, you know, if you get me a quarterback and an offensive line, this can be a successful offense. This could be a very successful offense. And I was reading a lot more into the type of scheme that Matt Nagy likes to run. Um, and I kind of realized that it's, it's one of those offenses where if you don't have the quarterback at the helm, it kind of collapses. Like it kind of is all because it is so reliant on the quarterback hit the scheme that he likes to run is just not operable when you don't have that quarterback. Right. And the other, the other concern, I guess you can say is his adaptability, but I guess we did bring him in here to run his offense. So at the same time, can we really blame him for trying to run his offense? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely understand, you know, the points that you bring up. And first off, I'd like to say if the Bears did end up winning out, I think that I would be shocked because I don't think Matt Nagy right now in this point of his career can beat a team of the caliber of Green Bay. So I'd definitely be would be shocked but if they were able to do you it. You have to remember that's week 17. And depending on how it goes out, that might be backups. That's true. And and that kind of brings up another point. I mean, I feel like when we've seen Matt Nagy be successful is when the odds have just been stacked in the Bears' favor, honestly. I think that, mm. you know, they've definitely capitalized on a lot of, of situations, you know, especially early in the year when they are padding a lot of their wins. And then this past week against the Texans, I mean, that's a Texans team that is very banged up. And also just a team that's made a lot of bad decisions. Interim <laughs> head know? coach, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So th- there's a lot going on there. I mean, this is the same coach that, you know, lost to an interim coach the week prior on his first week um, and, you know, allowed a lead slip through his hands. I, I think that, you know, saying that Nagy you know, doesn't have the quarterback is a very strong point. You know, I'm sure if he had the quarterback that fit his system, you know, he would be doing a lot better. You know, the Spurs offense would be doing a lot better, which is great. And, you know, I I definitely think there's potential that in the future, you know, let's say the Bears go out and get a quarterback in this next season that fits Nagy. I think that, you know, he could succeed. But I think there's also a good amount of risk there because, I really don't think he's shown you anything. And I think a lot of us Mm -hmm. thought that, hey, you know, 
Nick Foles was someone that even at least he has that football IQ and he can, you know, work with Nagy on that level and they can get something going on the offense. And even then, you know, he wasn't able to get anything going. I think the best, you know, time we've ever seen Nagy actually run his offenses with what Chase Daniel at quarterback. And, you know, that's just kind of odd. And to me, I, I do think that, right, you do hire a coach for him to to run his system. But at the same time, I think that in today's NFL, you do just need that bit of adaptability. And if you don't bring it to the table and you're so stern, you might have success, but it's not going to be sustained. It's only going to be for small windows when, you know, you really have all the pieces that fit that puzzle. I truthfully believe that there are coaches who can win with bad teams and then coaches who can do really good with good teams. And I don't think they always they always intersect. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, th- I think that there are coaches who can take a bad team and get more out of them than they should get, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily good enough to win a Super Bowl. And I also think that there are Super Bowl coaches that could win a Super Bowl if a team is good enough around them, but can't necessarily elevate lower talent to the, to the height that it should be. I believe that there is an, a potential that Matt Nagy is in that second category where he is he might be talented enough as you know schematically to produce us better results but it's hard to say right now and i'm not ultimately i'm still in favor for firing naggy but i have to say that after seeing how cuz i'm not just saying because they won and that, that that's not what it is I think schematically the bears have just been so much better over the past three weeks. Like not even, I don't even think Trubisky is like playing, like he's playing okay, but I think he's playing so much better because of the way the position that Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor are putting him in. So that at the end of the day, that's what is kind of leading me to this, you know, being willing to let the season play out more. This, this game definitely has made me feel like there is a lot more hope in Matt Nagy if things go right around him. So if they went out, I mean, if they went out and even win a playoff game, I would be shocked if he was fired, truthfully. Oh, I would be absolutely shocked. From a Bears standpoint, you know, removing my bias, if he mm-hmm. wins out, he is absolutely the head coach. This Bears organization is not going to fire him um, if he wins out and goes to the playoffs. And if he wins, goes to the playoffs, wins a game, his spot or his seat is cold. Secure. Like there is not yeah. even, you know, any flames under there. There's no, you're not even going to call it a hot seat. I think that this Bears organization is that's what they want to happen. I, I think firmly, the the ownership and the upper management want this Nagy situation to work out. And I don't think they really want their hand to be pressed to fire them, fire him. Mm-hmm. But if they do, you know, continue to suffer from the same mistakes, I could almost even fathom the idea if Nagy, if it comes down to that last week against the Packers, you know, if he can even make it close, mm-hmm. I, I think that that will give mm-hmm. him a shot. I honestly think this Bears organization does want to keep Nagy. I think the hard thing about Nagy is that he, you can tell that outside of like the production on the field that he's a really good head coach. You know what I'm saying? Like you could tell that it's a lot of his, like the reason why he's criticized is solely because of the on the field performance, which is a huge part of his job, obviously, but being a head coach is kind of more than that. So I think that's probably why the organization is so willing to stick with him. They like what they see their interactions with him. They like how he interacts with the team. And I can understand that. But at the end of the day, you have to put the, product on the field they also saw him take it they have to they have to they saw him take the team to 12 and 4 even though there were you know a lot of good defensive performances that offensive performance that year was not bad at all that was a top 10 scoring offense you know as as far as production goes so it's it's one of those things where Matt Nagy is very confusing because we just don't really know exactly what the issue is right now and that's a little scary to Bears fans and I think it's scary to you and me too because we have this good defense and it kind of makes us more overly reactionary I feel like when we see that the offense isn't working out we kind of just want a clean slate you know and I understand that completely but 
I, I kind of, I do kind of wonder if the Bears organization before this year started when they brought in just Nick Foles, if they told Nagy, hey, you know, make your best out of this, but we're going to get you a quarterback next year. Because Nick Foles never seemed like the answer. It, they, you, I mean, sure, they might have been saying it to the press, but do you think they really ever believed Nick Foles was going to be the, head, the, the main quarterback on this team going forward? I don't. I don't believe it. I don't believe it either, but, I mean, this organization kind of has a history of making those signings, you know. That's the only reason, mm-hmm. I mean, you only have to go back to Mike Glennon to find, like, a really similar kind of situation there where it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Glennon, it was known that Trubisky was the guy at that point and that, you know, Glennon wasn't going to be the long-term starter, but, you know, I think Nick Foles came in. I mean, he didn't really have that much potential to be a long-term starter. I mean, he's very established not that young anymore. I mean, if he was going to be on the Bears for longer than three, four years, I would have been shocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe that does play a bit into what you're saying is that, you know, he's not the, he was definitely never the long term guy, you know. But, you know, I'll credit to the Bears if they gave it that much forethought, honestly. Because I, I could definitely see Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy given the, hey, you know, what happens this season? This is an important season for us to do your best, but whatever happens this season, your job is safe, and we're going to figure this thing out once we have the draft capital. Because you can, I mean, it, it's already came out that the Bears are one of the top landing destinations for Tom Brady. They're really trying to get Tom Brady. Of course, it came out after the fact, as it seems like a lot of Bears news does, because they are so tight with their media relations. But... I mean, so they were trying for other quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater, they even admitted, was a, was a higher, you know, a person they wanted more than Nick Foles. It's really interesting to ponder that. But, I mean, hey, when you have your third, we, we keep wanting to say that, like, Nick Foles was handpicked by Ryan Pace. He wasn't. I mean, they, they were looking for a quarterback. And once you got past, you know, the Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, I mean, there really weren't a whole bunch of quality options this year. And it makes sense as to why Nick Foles was the pick because, hey, we can trade for him, has to land with us. He knows Nagy's system, probably a good quarterback to develop another quarterback behind. That's what I think it was. Honestly, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, it's very easy to look back in retrospect and say this, but if he's the third option, if that's really the case, if that's what, you know, how he stacked up with, you know, Bridgewater and Brady being better options on him, and if they couldn't get Bridgewater or Brady, why go all the way down to the third option? And why even bother mm. get him at all, to be honest with you? Because, you know, your third option quarterback, mm. I would feel probably just as good with Trubisky, you know, at this point. And like I said, it's easy to say now that, you know, Foles didn't look very good and Trubisky's, you know, been better in the offense, but... I mean, come on. If you're stooping all the way down for there, it, that's the same thing that, you know, kind of make a, another connection with in the city, like the Bulls. You know, it's like, oh, they're always rumored to go after all these top targets and they take the next best guy. Well, the next best guy mm. gets them nowhere, you know. I think the reason why they decided to just go with Foles is because I think they see him. I I believe that they still see him as a bigger piece of the team's long-term future than Trubisky. Because... He provides a lot of value in helping quarterbacks develop as well. As we saw with Carson Wentz, he also kind of, similar to Chase Daniel in a way, assimilates himself with the coaching staff and is kind of that, you know, he he's won a Super Bowl, he's done well in the playoffs, and he can play a lot better than Chase Daniel. And you can put him in there maybe at the start of next year if you draft a quarterback until the quarterback is developed and wins some games if you have a good offensive line. So... That is very valuable, right? But for this year alone, it didn't make much sense. It didn't make much sense. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. Honestly. I didn't really take that completely into consideration. But, you know, a lot of times that mentorship, I mean, and it can kind of be from unsuspecting guys, right? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Mahomes had what, Elk Smith? I mean, it doesn't yeah. have to be someone crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it just needs to be guys who are willing to, or who are comfortable with not necessarily being the starter. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it's true. And they, I'm sure they wanted Trubisky to work out too. That didn't happen. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, Foles is, is 
the ideal person you know that's what glennon was sold to us as you know kind of this bridge quarterback but Foles is the ideal person to be helping a young quarterback and i i really do believe that that was a huge part of the reason why Foles was brought in rather than um rather than someone like cam newton is because if cam you bring cam newton and cam newton's looking to start right he's he's full steam ahead in a start and while that may have been better for us this year Cam Newton, A, he doesn't know the scheme as much, and B, he's definitely someone who is has a bigger ego than someone like Nick Foles, and he's going to want to start. He he made it very clear he wanted to go somewhere where he has an opportunity to start. And if you bring in a quarterback, and he, I don't, I I just don't see Cam Newton being the guy that's like helping the quarterback along. And like you know, what I'm saying like it, it just doesn't yeah, seem no, like I get, that. I, I know what you mean. So, and, and when we even look back to the Teddy Bridgewater potential signing, when that was coming out, the reason why Teddy Bridgewater ended up choosing the Panthers over the Chicago Bears, because he wanted, there was actually saying that they were going to come together, um, that we were going to sign Bridgewater, but Bridgewater said that we, he didn't, his agent didn't feel like the Chicago Bears truly wanted him to start. And that was the reason he ultimately went to the Panthers. So you can look at that and say, oh, Trubisky, but Nagy was really eager to bench Trubisky. I don't know if that was about Trubisky. It may have been something where they knew that the Bears might draft a quarterback or they might bring in another quarterback. And they're not just looking for a quarterback for this season, but for a backup quarterback and a mentor going into the future. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that's probably the best role that he's gonna serve because I don't really see him uh, <laughs> playing any more games the as a Chicago Bear, or like you know, I don't want to see him on the field. But you know, if it happens, I mean, maybe he can find some kind of spark. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, now let's go ahead and just move on. Um, I think that we both still do want some change as far as the organizational front for the Chicago Bears, but. At least we're willing to see how this thing turns out. And I think that's everything, how everyone else should be always. If things change, you should probably change, you know. Um, but let, let's go ahead and move on. Matthew Stafford, man. I, the weird thing with Matthew Stafford is that I think he's a pretty decent quarterback, you know. Like, he's definitely a top 15. And he, I feel like he's shown that even with, like, really crappy teams around him and terrible situation time after time again. And he's also always put up a respectable offense. You know, that's what that's what I respect about Matthew Stafford. He's, he's always helped create some sort of respectable offense for the Detroit Lions, no matter how bad it is, how bad the team is, and how bad the defense is. For some reason, I, I, I was reading up on Detroit Lions Twitter and Detroit Lions, you know, what, what the beat reporters are saying. They're almost like at a consensus that he's going to be gone this year. Like that, this is my, this is going to be his last year, which I think is insane. Yeah, I mean it's insane. I mean he's always become a staple of kind of watching the Lions play. I mean, you know, you'd have to. I think it's all the way back to the Owen sixteen season because that's right after mm-hmm. when they drafted him. That you know he wasn't their quarterback, and that seems like ages ago. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean he's been a mainstay of that team, and you know you can kind of tell that things are kind of going rough i mean we kind of saw bits and pieces of it in the lions bears game and you know the lions pulled it out but it seems like they've really kind of been struggling and that you know stafford doesn't quite have the same hold of that team as he has had in the past and you know definitely if the vibe of detroit is that he's not going to be there i think he's definitely definitely a candidate and name that we're definitely going to hear attached to this bears team quite a bit because it just seems like a, a decent landing spot. And I know that, you know, everyone always likes to draw those kind of interdivision things with the Bears, especially when, you know, all the circus was going on with the Rogers situation. You know, one of the first teams that was already <laughs> came up was the Bears. I mean, if Rogers is available, clearly I'd want Rogers, but you um, sure you don't <laughs> want Stafford? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but Stafford, I mean, if he comes available, I truthfully believe that would be a huge mistake by this Detroit Lions team. Like, huge, huge mistake. I think that would be the best thing possible for Matthew Stafford. Because Stafford, I believe you can win a Super Bowl with. I'm I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't... I'm not someone who's... And I've always been hesitant with Stafford. You know, he does pat his stats in a lot of different ways, you know. And many of the seasons where he looked like he was throwing, like, 5,000 yards, like, crazy stuff, right? Um, he, You could tell that a lot of it was just when they were getting beat out. But the one thing that Stafford... The reason why I think he would be 
probably the best option for the Chicago Bears, not including Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's played with a lot of crappy, te- crappy offensive teams and made them a lot better. Okay. And a lot of the teams he's played with have been way worse than this Bears offense surrounding teams. So you're, t- you're talking about a guy that you've put him in there and you can know already you're going to get an immediate boost. And if you can put a couple pieces in the draft around that offensive line, maybe throw a wide receiver in there, you know, maybe give him a Jalen Waddle in the draft <laughs> with that top draft pick, man, that that could be a good offense. That would be something that Stafford has never really had. You know, pair him with Matt Nagy, get a little bit better of a schematical advantage, something he's never really had. That could be a dangerous team, man. That could be a really dangerous team. We just need to get him the next uh, Megatron, you know, the next Calvin yes. Johnson. <laughs> no, yeah, no, we're right? we're dreaming over here, but I I think that you know there's a two prong kind of question that needs to be asked here, and that's would Matthew Stafford fit either a Nagy system if he ends up staying, or whoever our prospective you know future head coach would be? Is there really a place for him, you know, in the future of the NFL? Do you see it? Yeah, I do. I think that he would be literally the perfect fit because he's a high-level processor. He's okay with – I mean, he's proven to be good when everything's on his back, which is the situation he's been in in a lot of times. He's comfortable with negative situations. I I really can't think of a better fit for either side if Stafford went to the Bears, truthfully. Because here – like even – I truthfully believe that it could even be a better – fit than Dak going to the Bears because a cap space wise but b I just feel like I feel like Dak I actually maybe not they're pretty they're actually kind of similar players when you think about it Dak gives I mean, you a little added mobility I would say that I feel like you know if Nagy were to stay as the head coach I can't really speak to any future coach but if it was Nagy next year I don't see him utilizing his mobility enough as far mm-hmm. as like we sometimes see, you know, the design sneaks. And I know there's a lack of confidence in the RPO, but, you know, Dak really excels running that RPO. And I, I just mm-hmm. feel like, you know, Nagy doesn't utilize that enough as is. And I'm a little bit afraid of Dak's numbers when he didn't have like Amari Cooper. And then obviously they put it a ton of, a ton of different talent around him. Whereas Stafford, you kind of know already that he's good with these crappy teams. So it's like, that that's a little more comforting. Um, but I, I mean, really the big thing is cap space. The reason why you'd pick Stafford is that he would offer a lot. He wouldn't require the contract that Dak may require. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I, I think that that would be an insane match right there. That'd be, if, the, if Stafford gets free from the Lions, that'd be the luckiest day in Bears history. Because we don't need, that's the thing is, sure, maybe a guy like Trey Lance has a higher ceiling than Stafford. Again, we don't need a number one, the top quarterback in the NFL. Just even a better than average, a top 15 quarterback in the NFL would be so far and beyond anything that we have had ever. <laughs> we, Literally we, set ever. Our, we set our bar so low here, don't we? I mean, come yeah. on. Like, honestly, we're just like, you know, we're willing to take the absolute minimum to push us over to the edge to make this a Super Bowl, you know, quality team and... I wish the Bears were in a position to really get like a true like franchise quarterback, someone that'd be a long term like stay here for the team because it seems like we're always just cycling through names, man. And you know, it's always like, oh, this person, you know, they might do it, you know, in the right circumstance. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to end up, you know, working. I just, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant to just bring in a you know, free agent quarterback just because of the way that it's turned out. And Matthew Stafford is a, in a different caliber than, you know, players that they've brought in recently, I think. Yeah. You know, Much he's different. definitely, you know, he's still even a higher caliber than someone like Jay Cutler. I mean, and that might seem kind of like Much a laughable a statement, but he was rather, you know, he was a bigger prospect when the Bears went out and got him. You know, people thought mm-hmm. he had a lot more upside. You know, it definitely took, you know, a little bit of capital, trade capital to go out and get him. Um, most notably Kyle Orton. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that Stafford could be a decent fit for the Bears team. I think, you know, he would give the offense perhaps enough ability to put them in that Super Bowl possible quality team. But, 
it seems like a lot to say to say that this team that we're watching right now could be in the Super Bowl, but I know exactly what you mean that, you know, Stafford would be able to extract, you know, some more out of these receivers, you know, hopefully, you know, the Bears could go out there and get him some more weapons there. If, you know, someone like Allen Robinson doesn't doesn't end up staying, but I think it would be an interesting, interesting process, and it'd be certainly interesting to see him in a Bears uniform. And I definitely feel like he'd be a step up. Would he be enough? I mean, that would be what would be interesting to watch play out, right? I mean, I'd be even in favor for bringing in a free agent quarterback and drafting a quarterback, both at the same definitely. time. Definitely, right. I'm fine with that. You know, like I, I think throw everything you can at the position. I just, I, I really, I really consistently feel. I mean, we're right now like 29th in offensive spending or something like that just just figure it out you know we put more resources into the offense you know really right now the offense has been better than the spending we've been putting into it luckily but you know we need to figure it out so just do everything you can to figure it out Um, but I think really that kind of sums up the whole Stafford thing I mean we would be if we're come you know what is it April or whatever when the NFL Wait, no, not April, March, I believe, when the NFL free agency starts and Matthew Stafford and guys like Dak Prescott are available, we're going to be one of the luckiest franchises in history that we're going to have that sort of free agent class for quarterbacks as well. Um, And, you know, it's starting to look like the modern day NFL that we're getting so much quarterback talent that we are seeing some quality quarterback names in the free agent carousel i mean it, how it seems like just like a couple years ago it was just like joe flacco and like you know like like wash up joe flacco case keenum brock osweiler like guys that, that that ended up being terrible and now we're having guys like tom brady and even philip rivers he's not that he's clearly way past his prime but he's playing a lot better or he's playing good enough for that colts team you know what i'm saying better than i, he, I think he's He's still the main thing holding that Colts team back, I think. I think they're almost yeah. kind of winning in yeah. spite of Rivers but at still, times. Still better than Flacco, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I think that it's slowly been improving. It's taken a while because the talent pool has kind of been, you know, it was kind of sparse for a while as far as what you need in a modern NFL quarterback, and especially one that's going to be in a franchise quarterback. But, hey, if we, we could eventually get to the day where you can sign a franchise quarterback off the free agent market pretty simply, that would be, be a great day for the Bears. <laughs> yeah, right. All we had to do was wait it out for 40 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and switch over to the last topic. Bears versus Vikings. Can the Bears run the table? If we run the table and if the Cardinals get one loss, I believe, which it looks like they potentially could, uh, we are going to the playoffs, which is kind of insane to think, right? And man, let's let's just first start ahead with this Vikings game, and then we can talk about if they could run the table. So, <laughs> I, I think I, I'm I think that we are going to blow the brakes off the Vikings this week. And I know that's like oh, I know that's a very like crazy prediction. But Bold. here's the thing. Here's the thing, is that. This Vikings team really got lucky at catching the Bears in the position they were the first time with Nick Foles because we were just terrible, and we still almost beat them. We're still very close, right? This offense has taken such a step forward from that point. The Bears, Mitch Trubisky always plays well versus the Vikings. The Bears always play well versus the Vikings. We're at Soldier Field. The defense is finally healthier than what it was. The offensive line has finally found some stability. I think that this is going to be a pretty decisive game. And again, the Bears, maybe the best thing for them is to lose this game to get a better draft pick. But again, counting on you, 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 you can't count on the Bears to do the best thing for the organization ever. So I think that it's going to be a decisive win for the Bears. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if I'm quite as confident as you, but I mean, I'm going to say, hold on, beating, we're going to beat the Vikings by over 10 points all right yeah yeah I, I think that that's fair because i can definitely see a scenario in which it happens i mean i can i'll never really count the bears out against the vikings because it's the vikings it, it's almost you know the same as the lions but just a bit different you know yeah very true. you never you never really feel too you know nervous especially in a when the bears are doing good you never feel too nervous about them you know playing minnesota i i think that the Bears are definitely have to continue and pick right up where they left off. 
You know, if they really mm-hmm. want to win this game, they need to bring that same kind of energy, that same style that they had in in the Texans game, and carry it over and and continue to build on it. I mean, it, you know, to answer the second part of your question, what we're going to get to in a little bit to run the table, that's certainly what they need to do is to keep building on their successes because you know, not necessarily a team like the Vikings or the Jaguars, but you know, if that Packers team is playing for something in that last week, I mean, they're going to need you know, to really step up their game to play and beat a team of that caliber. But, yeah, the Vikings, not super scared of them. I think that, you know, where the Bears' offense is at, like you said, certainly better than where they were, you know, the last time they played them. And I think that they can definitely exploit, you know, exploit them with the running game and hopefully bring in that same kind of play action and bootleg that, you know, really helped them against the Texans and helped, you know, keep some drives alive. As long as the Bears can continue to to run the football and stay ahead of the chains like they did last week, I think that they do have the, the ability to go and, and beat uh, Minnesota. Yeah, the Vikings and the Lions are kind of a team where, you know, if you put together a half-decent team that you'll beat them year after year right. you kind of you kind of know that and as long as you don't have too many injuries it's like four wins on the schedule that are very attainable yeah at least split it you know you can at least yeah. take one of them yeah if you if you you know that if you're not splitting it and you're getting beat twice by one of these teams something has gone very badly right something has gone very badly and the bears have had a really bad season um a lot of it has to do with injuries the decision to put foals in was not that great of one um, and they've seen a resurgence lately, but yeah, they, they, they definitely, um, have had a, a pretty tough game. I will, Can't, before you get yeah. started, I will say mm-hmm. one last thing I want to bring up is that I know that there's a little bit of concern about Jalen Johnson and his health, and mm-hmm. that could definitely be a bit of a concern if he cannot play. And I think he was possibly the one covering Jefferson. Maybe that would have been Fuller. But, you know, somewhere either Thielen or Jefferson is going to be left, you know, probably with a favorable matchup. Yeah, if he's not in there, that's a completely different conversation because that's that makes things a lot more difficult. But I think I'm a, let's operate under the assumption he plays. Yeah, I think that the Bears are definitely going to win this game, especially in Chicago. I'm sorry, but this Vikings team is always just such a like overrated team. I feel like like they like Kirk Cousins while he goes through his good and bad spurts, I feel like he will always be a slightly below average quarterback and one that doesn't stand up to pressure or competition that well. Right. I think that's what his defining career characteristics are. Yeah. You know, he's really just seems easy to shake. And I know that everything's always made that he's such a routine person, routine, this routine, that, you know, schedules every 10 minutes of his day on an Excel (laughs) file. So I think it's pretty easy to kind of get in that man's head and kind of get him to shut down. And, and really, I mean, I I never, never will feel, you know, unconfident heading to a game against cousins. I I just, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't possibly feel threatened by him to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the team is just, so unthreatening like if you even feel like Adam Thielen like he's a good player but it's like one of those things where it's like if you're a good team you should be able to if he's one of the top weapons on the team be able to take him away a little bit you know what I'm saying I really Justin Jefferson is really the one concerning factor I feel like for this team which is kind of the same thing that Stefan Diggs was it's really the like the player that you're like okay this guy is this guy's good you have to pay attention to him but you know, Dalvin Cook, he's good, but he not, never really does too much against the Bears. Um, now that that front seven is getting a little healthier, uh, hopefully we'll be able to take him away. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not overly concerned about the Vikings, not going to lie. As far as the future games, I mean, two of the games we play, so we play the Jaguars, which I think we're definitely going to win. We play the Vikings, which I think we're going to win. So really the only question is, can we beat Green Bay week 17? And I feel like there's a good chance that that game Green Bay sits starters and that we end up seeing Jordan Love, truthfully. Um, that's a that's a decent chance. And even if there's something to play for, I feel like the Bears could do it, you know? Like maybe, because I feel like even if they get like slightly ahead, Green Bay might then start pulling starters because they're like, hey, the team, the Bears are winning slightly. 
we're not gonna really get into this we want to preserve ourselves you know what I'm it's saying? a rivalry though so there's always a chance they yeah. might keep their foot on the pedal you never know yeah yeah very true so you, i mean you just, if it was in past years they would have kept their foot on the pedal these days there's a lot more of that player safety sitting the player you know kind of aspect yeah that's that's very true so yeah that's that's about it um i mean I, so yes i do believe that we could run the table for the season can we run the table in the playoffs probably not um no I guess, fucking way <laughs> who, who would we draw who would we draw though because i feel like we would if we make the playoffs we would draw either green bay or we would draw the saints which would be kind of crazy because well, we'd go green bay to green bay in the same exact week it, or it all say, depends. In two weeks it depends if Green Bay keeps on the top seed. Then otherwise, the Bears wouldn't play them in in the first matchup, at least. But they probably would the second because yeah. they'd be the lowest seed. Yeah. So we we would play the Saints then. I believe the Saints are in the two seed right now. That'd be a tough tough road, honestly. Saints, but, Packers, and then but then they'll be the easiest game he, in the championship game. Here's the thing, man. I feel like. The the we would have oh beat God, the Saints. Where are we, we would have right we beat the Saints if we had Mitch. Like it was a close game. I believe we, I truthfully believe we would have beat the Saints if we had Mitch in that game. I'm gonna stop you before you start saying something stupid, bro. Because <laughs> I, I mean, Taysom I think Hill that, led Saints team. No, thank you. I think that the the Bears do have a the chance to win out here. I think that they can do it against Minnesota Jaguars, especially if they get this win against Minnesota. I don't think they'll blow it against the Jaguars. It would be a very Bears thing to do though. But I, I you know, I would just go say the Bears keep their momentum. The big question is how serious are the Packers taking that week seventeen game? If it's all on the line and both of them are playing for something, you know, you have to give the Packers the edge. But at the same time, I mean who knows? I think once the Bears get in the playoffs, though, I'm not going to favor them. I don't think this is a team that can really do too much. I don't want to be the big mm-hmm. Debbie Downer, but trying to relax us before we start talking ourselves into them saying they're going to be in the Super Bowl when, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I tr- if, if the Bears make the playoffs, I think they win the first game. And this has got to be the most sad scenario if the Packers are the one seed, but I think they get just slaughtered by the Packers in 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 the what would that be then? Whatever round that is, the That's se- the, the second still round, the divisional round, yeah, yeah. So I and that I would truthfully rather have them miss the playoffs than that happen. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, yeah, I think that would hurt too much for a lot of Bears fans because I can already imagine if they made it to the divisional round, it was against the Packers. I mean. Uh, the narrative has completely changed. The Bears fans would be turned on, clicked on in a hurry to watch that game. It would definitely be taking it very, very seriously, and have the Packers kind of, you know, erase that memory, erase that you know dream of you know winning mm-hmm. that Super Bowl would really hurt for a lot of people. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we can't wait to be talking about our, you know, the Bears going to the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. Uh, that'll be that'll be really fun. Uh, after our one win in seven games, uh, that'll be that'll be awesome. Uh, but you know, it's probably it's a good episode that we had a little bit of a more optimistic one, and you know, I'm excited going forward for this team a little a little bit more than I was the week prior. So. Let's see how this plays out. This week is going to be extremely important. And, you know, make sure to tune in for our post-game reactions on YouTube. Yep. Bear down. Bear down, guys.